Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Recovery Central. Morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Richard. And how are we this week? Um, very tired this week, very tired. I've got a wedding to go to. Yeah, very busy week, and suits to collect and, and what have you. I thought you were going to say it's because of work, but no, it's because of a it's, wedding it's and collecting a suit. It's work as well, yeah. Work as well, but the first thing becomes... The stress of collecting a wedding suit is far greater than going to work. <laughs> Posh problems. Will it fit? Will it fit? Am I going to look ridiculous? Well, mm. the fact is, everyone's going to look ridiculous, so it really yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bank balance looks ridiculous now as well. Well, one always worries about those things. Mm. Well, I've had my new toy has arrived. Well, oh. I say toy, it's definitely not a toy. I've got hold of a new interface. Mm-hmm because obviously I want to record more music yeah. and I need to do it properly. And I've saved up for this thing. I've got this thing and it looks space age. Okay. So of course now I'm panicking. Am I going to use it properly? Do I know, do, have I got the right connections? Do I know what I'm doing? And, fun. and actually it doesn't matter if I don't totally know what I'm doing because we have this wonderful thing called YouTube yeah, exactly. where there are instructional videos that show you exactly what to do with these things. Mm. And I knew this when I started researching it and when I decided to buy it, it was, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with that one because what I've seen that guy do on the audio talks that I've been looking at, it's, it's quite self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more musical recording with that. Anyway, what have we got today? Right, we've got more rehab talk, of course, because bear in mind, we are of a rehab. We are broadcasting for a rehab. And the rehab experience is a very important thing to document, I think, from whatever angle we take. We need to look at what it's like, what it does, and what it's like afterwards. Especially for those, perhaps, who aren't aware of what we do. Mm -hmm. And of what happens when their family members disappear for six months and they wonder why they've changed when they come back. Yeah, they wonder what's going on. Change to the better, I hope. Behind the scenes. So anyway, let's start with the letter. This is all about the family and rehab. Dear Jim, Jack and Jeff, my family are all insisting that I go to rehab, but I'm sick of them picking on me. None of the stuff they're saying is true and I don't seem to have any means of defending myself. I've always liked to drink and I got into plenty of scrapes as a teenager, but who doesn't? Well, my siblings don't, apparently, because they're all dull, resentful and mean, a bit like the adults in a Roald Dahl story. I've always believed in work hard, play hard and all that, but this doesn't seem to go down well, no, not at all with my family. I got sick of them by the time I was 21, so I only ever went to see them at Christmas, and I'd only speak to them if they rang me. They never approved of my job. I work freelance in TV production because it's not what they decided for me. To compound that, my four siblings are all doing exactly what they're being told and going into reputable professions with appropriate marriages, etc. All through my teenage years, nothing I ever did was good enough for my parents, but they seemed all too willing to shower praise on my younger siblings. My relationship with them all has been difficult for the last 20 years. But then I was out of work. A few of the jobs I had lined up fell through and I struggled. My finances took a hit and it became evident that I'd overstretched myself a bit on buying the flat last year. Also, paying child maintenance to my ex doesn't help. And she insists, even though her new bloke is a millionaire. In short, I'm now skint. The last six months I've been hitting the bottle really hard. Maybe if Susan hadn't left me, 
stop me seeing the kids. Maybe if I'd taken that BBC job when it was offered. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Worst thing is, I've had to let out the flat so I can keep it, which means I've landed at my parents. So they assume this is how I've always lived, why she left me, etc., and it's all my fault. I'm 41, for God's sake. They can't make me go to rehab, can they? Please help. No. Oh, no. Well, poor me, poor me. Because the first thing in this is defensive, isn't it? Yeah. It's they're all insisting I go to rehab. But I'm sick of them picking on me. Nothing they're saying is true. I very much doubt that nothing they're saying is true. We're not considering the circumstances. I mean, you know, he was living at his mum's and so... And he starts off talking about what things were like when he was a teenager. Yeah. He's 41. Mm. So presumably he's carried on living yeah. like a teenager. Yeah. That would explain to me why perhaps his wife didn't want to put up with it for that long. And this resentment at his siblings. Because they've all got the professions. The thing is, were these professions perhaps what they chose? This is maybe a case of this bloke projecting into mm -hmm. deciding what his parents always wanted for him. Mm -hmm. and deciding what they always wanted for all of them and because his siblings have gone into predictable I think he probably sees them as boring professions Bored, yeah, boring. there's probably a lawyer and a bank, manager, a bank manager that kind of thing and maybe one of them does the same thing as the father or mother yeah, maybe yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. but clearly there's a lot of resentment there isn't there about these ordinary siblings mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. boring siblings who don't live the way I do, so mm -hmm. they're boring and they're dull, and my family are all picking on me. It's the whole tone of it is about being picked on, isn't it? Picked on and, yeah, pity pot and... And I wonder how true it is. They've never approved of my job because it's not what they decided for me. I wonder how real that is. But that's it, isn't it? Or whether it's in his head that they decided what his job was going to be. No, that's right. It's his idea. He probably believes that, oh, God, they're, they're doing the, the posh jobs and I'm doing the... But he chose that line of work, and it is risky if you're freelance. You know, you might not get the business in, and, and unfortunately he didn't, and then everything's just gone down the pan. I'm surprised he doesn't go as far as saying, I'm the only one who hasn't got a safe pension. Mm -hmm. It's this revolt against normality, yeah. isn't it? But the revolt against normality is actually the alcoholic, mm -hmm. well, as opposed to the reality of any of this. Because I very much doubt that the siblings and the parents are saying, why can't you get this job or why can't you do that? Mm -hmm. I, I suspect it's all imaginary. Or well, they're probably just offering him advice when he's losing his contracts and stuff. He's probably saying, well, why don't you do this? It might be a bit more secure. And He's like, no, no, no. And you're They might have even helped him financially. Yeah. The fact that he's had to let out the flat and he's landed at his parents, implied that they were part of that decision-making. Yeah. Because they must have said to him, you can come and live here for a while while you let out the flat oh, and yeah. you get things sorted out. Yeah. So they're trying to stop him from losing his flat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But his response to all of this is, how dare they make me go to rehab? They're probably at their wit's end. <laughs> a lot of denial there, isn't there? No, no, no. Yes, it's all no, 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 isn't mm -hmm. it? And it's all they, they, no, they. No, no. The whole tone of the thing is, no, no, it's all them. No. They're telling me to do this. They're making me do this. They can't make me do it, can they? That's like a teenager saying, they can't make me go to school, can they? Mm -hmm. 
They can't make me do something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. No, they're trying to ask me to do something which will be good for me. And it is quite teenage as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The, all the no's, and it's all them saying, I've got to do this. Got plenty of scrapes as a teenager, but who doesn't? Well, The thing is, are those scrapes as a teenager relevant when you're over 40? I'm not sure they are. Yeah. And this picture of the siblings as being dull and resentful and mean Mm. actually it's quite plausible that the siblings resent an eldest sibling who behaves like that Mm. I was the oldest of four I am the oldest of four and it's understandable that my siblings would have resentments against me because of the way I behaved yeah of course and I walked into that and I earned those and it's this whole work hard play hard thing that he's got going on for himself that's the thing that holiday reps go yeah, by, isn't of it? Course. When I worked on the campsites, that was the mantra. Mm-hmm. But I was 22, and I hadn't had a real job before. I'd only had part-time things and temp things and, and all that, and I'd been through university, and I'd not really seen that much of the world. That's and it. of course it was work hard, play hard, because actually, how many people are going to go in year in, year out and work on a campsite. No, exactly. And the whole point in working then was as soon as you could play, wasn't it? So the yeah. more you work, the more you got to play. But this is someone who's saying a few of the jobs I had lined up fell through. <sighs> now, I wonder why they fell through. Yeah. Because one of the things about working in that kind of industry is you've got to be reliable. Okay, there's a lot of freelancing, but there are many freelancers who are never out of work because yeah, yeah, they turn yeah. up on the dot and they do exactly what yeah. they're asked to do. And then they get told to come back. Now, it's one thing to be unreliable in a permanent position. It takes quite a while to push someone out, mm-hmm. especially if they're working yeah. in the public sector, like the police or teaching or social work or whatever. If they're unreliable, it takes time mm-hmm. for them to be seen to be yeah, unreliable. Yeah. But if you're being paid from one job to the next... Of course. It's the same as being a builder. Well, Word of mouth late, dictates, yeah. this guy's always late, this guy doesn't do what he says he's going to do, mm-hmm. and this guy's inefficient, then it's going to get around. I'm surprised he doesn't go as far as saying, well, they've all taken the jobs away from me. <laughs> People like my siblings have had all the jobs. The but you're jobs. right on this. The amount of denial and the amount of it's all them. Yeah, okay, so his ex is now with a millionaire. But just because the guy's a millionaire, does that mean he actually is responsible financially for maintaining those well, children? Well, it doesn't, does it? In the whole point not, not per se, no. Maintenance is to, you know, that, to make him aware that he's still got responsibilities. And he's responsible as a father. Yeah. I don't think he's very responsible anyway, no, this guy. doesn't sound it. I think really this is denial, denial, denial. And until he gets over this idea of they, them. Them against me. He's going to struggle, isn't he? It's more him against him. But this is the very kind of thing that needs breaking down when people get into rehab. And it's the thing that takes quite a long time getting people to see. Well, that's what they do, don't they? They pick you to pieces and... Which is the important process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's breaking down denial. It's really at the crux of what we do in those first few weeks. Mm -hmm. Detox is one thing. But as soon as it becomes treatment, breaking down denial is one Mm -hmm. of the most important things that happens. Because if you were to leave a treatment process still completely in denial, you'd drink or you'd use. Of course. Inevitably, because the more it becomes they and them, Mm -hmm. the more impossible it becomes to move on. 
So we shall see, we shall see how many people get through this process and actually make it through. Not enough, unfortunately. No, but some do, which is the important bit. And so, moving on, we get to a dialogue which is concerning itself with horror of horrors. Mm -hmm. Something that can happen in the first few months or the first year, in spite of what we do, and that is relapse. It's part of many journeys. Yes, it is, isn't it? So, what? Here we are. Yeah. Again. I know. It's not the end of the world, you know. Isn't it? No. Why not? Because you came back. I suppose. What happened? I don't know. There doesn't have to be an answer. No? No. Then why did you ask? Because you're back at the beginning. Feels worse than that. How so? It's like I've ruined everything. Oh, you haven't ruined everything. No? No. Feels like it. Self-pity never helped anyone. It's not. It's It's self-pity. But yes, you went and used... Simple fact, simple responsibility. It's more complicated than that. It's not, actually. But whatever you claim, it's all very simple. There's no point trying to dress it all up as if a combination of circumstances made you pick up, is there? Yeah, but if I hadn't had to deal with... No, stop. You didn't deal with anything. But I... As soon as a few things came up that looked difficult, instead of dealing with them, you picked up. It really wasn't like that. No? No. I lost the job. Then she threatened to leave me, and then... I understand you were quite shaken by both things happening at once, but... And I got another three points on my licence. And? What? These are life problems. Everyone has them. You don't. What do you mean? You're retired and you're still married. I wasn't when I first got clean and sober, was I? That's different, though. Really? Of course. Do tell. You had the rehab people to do everything for you. Uh, no, I did not. But? I had to face up to the facts. They just helped me do that. Any action I had to take, that was down to me. But? You can't expect anyone to do things for you just because you don't want to engage. I've not got anyone to help me, filling in forms and dealing with lawyers. The main thing you're not doing is letting anyone help you. But that's why I'm asking... And you're asking what? I relapsed because I couldn't cope, so I need help. True, but you need to get back clean and sober before you can do anything else. But she's going to take the kids. She'll try and do that anyway, so even more important that you stay on the right path. How can I stay off the booze and drugs when I'm so stressed? You're still missing the point. Well... I have what I have because I got clean, got sober and re-engaged with reality. You can't deal with anything until you do that too. Right now, you're still claiming that someone else made you relapse. I don't see how. When I arrived in rehab, I was unemployed, unemployable and separated. When I left rehab, I was heading for divorce and had to file for bankruptcy. That's your story. And why do I now have a house that I own? How did I get married again? What made my children decide to speak to me again after I'd not seen them for five years? Because you went back to work. But how did I go back to work? I don't. I did what I did and I have what I have because I got clean and sober and maintained it. But my wife... It's not her fault you picked up. She said it. What? She said you might as well go out and get wasted for all the use you are to me and the kids. And? How can you be so insensitive? I thought you were on my side. This is not about sides. And I'm not being insensitive. Oh, but you are. You didn't have to pick up because your estranged wife told you to, did you? No, but... Nobody else can make you do that. But she drove me to it. No, she tried to wind you up and you fell for it. She's such a bitch. There you go again, fixating on someone else, not being responsible for yourself. I don't see how... Okay, stop. But if... Stop. Now, the simple thing to note here is you picked up. It doesn't matter what you picked up, 
how much you had or how much you want to dress the whole thing up as being someone else's responsibility. You picked up, but you came back. Yeah, I. Your life problems are not going to go away just because you want them to. But you must understand. And there's no situation that you're going to improve by getting shit-faced, is there? Suppose not. Welcome back to reality. So, are we going to start at the beginning again? Do we have to? Yes. If I must. A cautionary tale, but a very familiar one. It's all because so-and-so. It's all someone else, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's because he's some... Oh, wow. Yeah. It's them again, isn't it? It's always them. And it's denial again. It's, I don't want to confront the fact that I did this and I picked up what I picked up. So I need all these extenuating circumstances yeah. to talk about what they did. This, this, this. Because what they did is more important than anything I did or didn't do. Isn't the whole point of going through rehab? Just to, to learn, to deal with what life throws at you. He says it, doesn't he? Mm. About re-engaging with reality. Mm. Because it's not enough to just get off the drink and drugs. You've got to then break down a degree of denial whereby you can access reality at all. Of course. Because mm. we need to do that if we're going to deal with life problems. And life problems aren't going to get better. Yeah, just blame someone else, won't it? Well, and that's it. It's, it's the responsibility thing, isn't it? Yeah. And this is what we learn over time when we go through a rehab and treatment process. It's still quite personal here that he came back. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the... There um, must be something in him that wants recovery because he came back. Yeah, of course, he knows he's done wrong. He knows it's his fault. And at the end of the day, no-one asks you to drink a bottle of bleach, do they? And it, it's, you know, it's... He's done it, he knows what the effects can be, he knows what it can cause, and he did it. Yeah. Never for the grace of God go I. Right, anyway, what is our topic for today? Ah, yes. Drunk television. Mm-hmm. Drunk television, very important to distinguish between drunk television and supposed sober television. Well, because I barely watch television now. No, I don't either. I take things off Netflix or Amazon Prime or I have another app for films and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I choose what I'm going to watch. And I've got the National Theatre online and every so often I watch a play too. But I don't sit there and turn the telly on as soon as I'm sitting in the front room. And turn it over at certain times to watch certain things and... Yeah, the, the well, you mean the way that the telly dictates yeah, yeah, your yeah. your routine. Well, doesn't matter though, does it? Because you're not really doing anything a lot of the time. So I think the other thing for me is that now the telly doesn't dictate my routine. To be honest, during lockdown, in those first three months, and there were just two of us in the house, and we set it that Netflix went on mm-hmm. or, or a film went on mm-hmm. at half past six, seven o'clock, yeah. and that was what we did every evening. Mm-hmm. Because being in a dry house with just two of you mm-hmm. and quite a way away mm-hmm. from anyone or anything else, we're slightly out in the sticks where I am. There had to be some use of TV film as part of the overall routine. Yeah. But the Netflix stuff was not dictating mm-hmm. the way that I had my day, the way that he had his day. Mm-hmm. It was part of, whereas what used to happen with me, certainly when I stopped walking, mm-hmm. stopped working, well and stopped walking in fact because I really wasn't very well (laughs) very quickly was that I was a slave to the screen most of the time Mm -hmm. and most of my time was spent sitting on the same settee in front of the same channel with the sound down and subtitles on for some reason I used to do and just this surreal stream and stream and stream of things that I'd seen before 
Isn't that crazy? I used to do the same thing with the subtitles on and, and on mute. <laughs> yeah. Weird. And there's a massive change for me in the way that I use TV and social media. Oh. In that I could quite happily not have a television. You don't really need one, do you? It wouldn't bother me in the slightest, because I know for a fact that when I came out of the treatment centre, I didn't look at the TV for, oh, it must have been about six months. Only recently I've started to watch a film every now and again, just for more of a therapeutic value to technique, to immerse myself into that world. But, but that's yeah. the important thing, is choice. Yeah, choice, yeah. That thing is there, and I can choose whether to engage with yeah. it or not. Yeah. If I want to go and do this x y and z over the course of two weeks mm. i will go and do these things and it's not being dictated to me because of my lack of choice that all i'm capable of doing is sitting in a room and staring at a screen staring yeah and i'm not really watching it and i've been through all this time of not really watching anything and then i go into rehab and mm -hmm. the tendency in rehab is that certain things get watched certainly in stage three living I found that there was still a lot of people wanting to watch films they'd already seen mm -hmm. or watching various kind of nonsense reality programmes and that the TV was just on. Yeah, yeah. And I moved away from that mm -hmm. pretty quickly. I didn't want to be in that. No, I didn't. I didn't seem to have the time for a start. And second, yeah, I didn't want the time to be watching TV. I never watched it. I mean, of course, we couldn't have a TV in your own room, so you'd have to go into the communal area in that stage, but... I never recall sitting there and watching TV. Yeah, I think it's interesting this not having the time because it then perhaps gives you the realisation of how long you did spend in yeah. front of a TV screen. Mm. And really how much little you did. Yeah. How much you can do in a day, literally. For me, back then, it was just waking up and that was it. 70% of the day was sitting in front of the TV. Hence the days all merge into one. Mm. And this idea of not having time to do it is because actually I want to engage with other things. And also for me, I think there's the, I want to engage with people. Mm -hmm. Obviously to a limited degree, because mm -hmm. sometimes I want no peopling. Mm -hmm. And to a limited degree, I'm not yeah, yeah. rushing into <laughs> engaging with huge crowds or anything. Yeah. And I'm certainly not walking through the bull ring on a Friday. Oh, no, no, no. And definitely not going into Birmingham on a Saturday. That's no. an absolute no-no. If no. I go anywhere on a Saturday, it'll be solly old. Yeah. But... They're actually wanting to engage with life things. Mm. And part of my disengagement from life was actually about that staring at the telly. Yeah. And that staring at the telly was part of it. It was a pivotal part of it. Mm. Because it clamped me to one room. It's like we were talking the other week about being in a single room. Yeah. The single room comprises something to sit on and a television. That's it. And that's your life. And of course, because I was watching repeat... I wasn't even watching the news or anything current. No. It was la-la land, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now, I might watch something new on Netflix mm -hmm. and correspond with someone else who's asking me, what have you watched recently? Because, of course, I watched Squid Game as soon as it came out, oh, okay. having read about it. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's utterly brilliant. I'll take your word for it. I went straight on to the people I usually correspond with about series. And okay. said, you've got to watch it, you've got to watch it. And one of them doesn't like subtitles. Oh, right. I said, you're going to have to watch it dubbed because it's all about how good it is visually. You'll love this, you'll love this. And, and what I did do, actually, just quickly, I have started watching the films, which I did watch before, but they're like watching them brand new again. Yeah, it is. I can't remember them. It is brand new, isn't yeah. it? The whole thing. Yeah. Because the series where I know I've watched them but not. Yeah. I've half watched them. 
Whereas now, if I go back to them, yeah. I'm watching them, yeah, as new and for as, real. As new and, and being in the cinema is another yeah. thing for me in that I go to the cinema fairly frequently in recovery. Mm-hmm. But before recovery, it would be somewhere I'd either go and hide and I would try and watch 18 <laughs> films in a week to avoid going to the pub. Yeah, yeah. Or I would be going in there because it was a convenient place to take booze with me. Just take your booze. And And that's going back to teenage habits when we used to do that in the 80s. But I think this experiencing things consciously Mm -hmm. is tied in with the TV thing. Because I don't want my consciousness dumbed down or numbed by this constant stream of TV. Mm -hmm. And actually I feel similar about social media I yeah. will use social media but only where it has a purpose where you need to I be. don't just flick through the screen and there's so many TV channels now that if I God forbid wanted to get pissed and sit in front of a telly and just channel surf mm-hmm. it would go on for months mm. yeah you're right and I can see it happening that there are people out there God help them who are sitting there in one room in the same clothes watching the same watch. thing even on Freeview, there's, what, 100-odd mm. channels? And you end up watching the sewing channel. <laughs> or you end up watching a wood auction. I think the biggest thing that TV in recovery, as opposed to drunk TV, tells me is that my perspective has changed. Yeah. Because I'm not going to waste half an hour watching something meaningless. Mm. Even when I'm eating in the evening, mm. I have a regular series that goes on when I'm eating, mm-hmm. like breakfast and any other meal. Yeah. If I put something on, it mm-hmm. will be the regular series that's oh, okay. associated with that time of day. And I use podcasts a lot more now. I use the radio a lot more now. Yeah, definitely. Because I think the whole thing with television for me was that it numbed everything. Mm-hmm. It was part of the background noise. Mm. Even when I couldn't put up with noise at all, I still had this visual thing. It was almost like watching through a really messed up, watery lens Mm. where I wasn't really watching at all. And yeah, you're right about the re-watching things and them suddenly feeling new. Because they do. Well, all hail television, not. Well, kind of, a little bit. I think the most important thing is that we choose. Yeah. And it's having that choice. And because... When we talk about you've always got a choice, mm-hmm. it's not just about the booze and drugs, it's about everything else as yeah. well. Yeah, it is, yeah. We gradually develop a system of being able to make choices about how we live our lives, which is what drugs and alcohol took away from us. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wondering and I'm wondering and I'm wondering just what Reg has done next. Because we have the lingering threat of the Dalton twins. Oh, yeah. All three of them, which must be a great worry. Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's see what's going to happen here. I know I said I was going, and... I'm just worried, Reg. Setbacks, you said. Well, after what I heard from Gary, that's an understatement. Is it? Are you curled up comfortably? What? Forget the tea for now and brace yourself. Okay. There was a visit. A visit? Gary McCann's. And? Early morning. So? They came in the dark. Aliens? No, although I do wonder. Whether they were aliens or not? Perhaps. But you weren't there? Nah. So, why are you wondering? What? 
Whether they were extraterrestrials or not. They could be human aliens. Isn't that an oxy... Proxy? Whatever you call it. An oxymoron? Yeah, that's it. I get confused. True. But they might have been aliens. No, Tom. Then what? The Dalton twins. No way. All three of them. Three? Yeah. But how... Turns out Bruno was not dead after all. Oh. He faked it. I see. You look even more confused than usual, mate. I don't understand. What? If they're twins, wouldn't... Oh, right, I see. What? You've fallen for the obvious. The obvious? You thought they can't be twins because there's three of them. Well, sounds to reason, doesn't it? For normal cats, yeah, however... I'm still confused. For a long time, they only ever appeared as a pair. What? One of them stayed home? Sort of. Why? There are a few theories on that. Maybe they run a bird sanctuary? A bird sanctuary? Why not? Why would three cats run a bird sanctuary? Gil? Possible, I'll grant you, but not for them. Repossessed kitten hood trauma? Come again? Maybe one of them got attacked by a particularly vicious sparrow on his first trip outside. You're clutching at straws. Oh, it just seems so absurd. What? Trying to pretend they're twins by one of them always staying out home. When everyone knows there's three of them anyway. I suppose it is, really, but the third one never stays at home. No. So, they don't run about Sandra? No. Do they have kittens? Not that they look after. And all three of them go? Yep. Gary must have been shocked. Yeah, he was angry too as they disturbed his early morning nap. Very inconsiderate. Yeah, deliberate too. I'm sure it was. Not very clever of him either, you know. Well, if there's one thing guaranteed to make me go through the roof, it's being disturbed before, during or even after a nap. You and many more, mate. But why were they there? Aha! I thought Gary's operation was legit these days. It is. What were they doing? More importantly, what were they planning? They're not. What? You know. I don't. No? We'll need to finish the sentence first. Oh, yeah. They're not starting up another protection racket, are they? Unfortunately, no. Worse? Less hilarious than their idea of protection rackets. Yes, I remember Who that. could forget? I didn't know whether to laugh or not when they approached me. Or just directed them to the nearest tennis club. Aha, uh -huh. how could they think that? Offering to protect places by standing at the door armed with a tennis racket was a good idea. Well, their mother always said they had one brain between the three of them. As many as one? She's always been biased. True. Hard to find any redeeming features in them, though. No, although Damon is quite good at getting stuck up a tree, if I remember right. That was a long time ago, Tom. Meaning? Things have changed. Don't make it sound so ominous. It is ominous. Huh? Is it? Yeah. Why? Because they're working for someone who actually knows what they're doing. How the hell did that happen? Someone's got their wires well and truly tapped and crossed. If they think these three have anything to offer beyond petty violence and pigeon bothering. So, why McCann? And who are they working for? It was a warning. Not the most sensible target though, surely. Why not? I hope Gary could do the whisper of death move, a bit like Chuck Norris. Contrary to many of Fred's rumours, Gary is not actually a kung fu cat like Chuck Norris. But I saw him do a roundhouse kick. And did the world shake? No, although he did kick the table over. Deliberately? I'm not sure. By mistake then? It looked good enough. When Chuck Norris kicks, it turns back time. Does it? So it said. Does he have a cat? I've no idea. We should try and contact him then. Why? Sounds like we have a problem with the Daltons. Who else would you call but Chuck? Norris. How are we going to find Chuck Norris then? That's why I asked if he had a cat. Oh, so I'm going to send the Daltons packing by threatening them with a cat that Chuck Norris may or may not have. It's a sort of plan, isn't it? Yeah, I'll keep it on the back burner. Okay. But for now, I need to think and fast. So, what did you want then? Who? 
The Daltons. Oh, I thought you meant... And is Gary okay? Oh, yeah, you know, Gary, hard as nails, never complains. That's not true. What? Everyone knows he writes to a local paper every week, complaining, making unreasonable demands and generally being annoying, and that's not a rumour cited by a fantastical thread either, is it? OK, fair enough. Fact is, Gary got jumped. Daltons are working for that dodgy lawyer. What? No, not the one you're after. The very same. Are they coming after you? Maybe. Better go and see Norman. Norman? He knows how to do things, don't catch up. True. I wish he'd drop the moor on it once in a while. He will when he hears about this. Yeah, I'd forgotten. What does Norman hate even more than books? The Dalton twins. You've got a rescue to perform, Red. Stay focused. You're right. I'll go and see Norman. And I'll try and locate Chuck Norris's cat. If you must. Well. Well, there's three of them. There's three of them and they came first thing in the morning. Three (laughs) twins. (laughs) Only in Reg's world could twins be three. Turned up at early dawn. And disturbed his nap. It's inexcusable that, isn't it? You never disturb a cat. Whichever nap is occurring, whether it's the early morning, the mid-morning, the early afternoon, the late afternoon or the evening. Mm. They sleep pretty much all day, don't they? Well, they sleep about two-thirds of the day, isn't it, that cats sleep? I can just imagine three of them bowling through the door, early morning, ready for trouble. Well, yes, and it's now a question of what they're going to do about it, so I think Norman will be back on the case, which Mm. could have disastrous consequences considering Norman's track record of being distracted by bugs at every available opportunity. (laughs) He's paranoid. Well, I think that's that for this week, actually. We've exhausted our time. And obviously, we will love you and leave you, and we will, I won't say see you again. We'll be back next week. Ah, uh, we will. Um, with more tales from Reg and... And you will hear... Triplets who aren't triplets. And, yeah, and Tom, and... Oh, I like Tom, bless Tom. And we'll look at more rehab stories, and yeah. we'll look at more stories around rehab from before and from after. Mm-hmm. And also next week, we've got the second half of my interview with Rachel. I think I believe that's next week I'd have to look at my planning sheet your planning sheet but all is well the world is still turning and we're still in it we hope you are too but if you've heard anything in what we've put in the show today that has in any way made you think about either your own or someone else's circumstances then please do reach out and ask for help there are plenty of places to do it it's merely a question of picking up the phone You can contact us on Recovery Central on Twitter or on the Changes Facebook page. And of course, we're always on the lookout for interviews, particularly from people who've got any form of experience of addiction, from any country, from any type of experience around it, whether you are the person suffering or the person suffering, the person who is suffering. Mm. We always want to hear more stories. So have a lovely weekend and we'll be back next week. See you soon. Hear you soon. (laughs) 